And welcome in to the Rinkwise Podcast. I'm Evan Marinovsky. Remote, coming to you from an underground lair somewhere. I am with Pat Donnelly. Pat, what's up? What's going on from Parts Unknown? It's a Beanpot Tuesday, which I'm excited about. It is a Beanpot Tuesday. I got my BU hat, got the sweatshirt, the mug, everything's going right now. Everything, yeah. We're recording this on Tuesday, so the day of the Women's Bean Pot Championship. And it's good that you care about the bean pot because my care for the bean pot, we've talked about this, is not as yeah. nearly as deep as yours. So you're missing but out. I do, you're missing I, out. I like this because the, the women are finally at TD Garden, as they should have been yeah, a long that's gonna time. That's going to be really ago. cool. It's going to be great. We're going to have a story from it. But the bean pot in general, as a UMass guy, just doesn't hit. Doesn't hit. My parents didn't go to a bean pot school. So it's never been like a premier thing for me but i will say i went last year i was there and it was great this year will be awesome because you get bcbu in the yeah. for the on the men's side in the first round so that will be something to look forward to but let's dive right in because yeah. i think it is topical now again this is going to come out after the women's bean pot is done but i think the effects of it are going to last quite a while but it is topical that we talk about this first thing with the women's bean pot being the day that we're recording and in our recent magazine which just dropped I encourage you all to go check it out. Uh, the cover is the growth of girls hockey in New England and in America. And when we were discussing what a cover, what the cover would be for the January, February uh, magazine, we went through some things typical as their top prospect to go on it is, is there a, a prep team that's worth, but it's hard to put a prep team on there in the middle of the season. Cause a lot can change. Um, is there a high school team? And we really wasn't anything. And, I was like, and we both said this, let's, it's time to put a, a girl on the cover. Yeah. And our uh, chief content officer, Sean Leahy, came up with the brilliant idea of let's take a look at, let's see how much girls hockey's grown in the last like 10 years, right? And we were expecting some definitely increases because it's grown. But when, when we dove into the numbers, and I should say you and Sean, you and Sean dove into those numbers yeah. at great length. It's grown more than we even imagined. And, yeah. and there, and, and I think that's when we realized, all right, there is not just a story here. This is a, this is a big freaking deal of how much it's grown everywhere, not just in Massachusetts, not just in Vermont and Connecticut and New England in general, but it's skyrocketed in the last 10 years. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll give a lot of credit to Sean for the numbers too. He made my life really easy. I was going to say, I saw that email with the in-depth numbers. I'm like, man, is there something like, yeah, should I be he, doing something here too? Like it was deep, deep. Pretty crazy, which was really awesome and helped the story a lot. But yeah, I mean, I'll throw some of those numbers at you. In the last decade, girls are playing hockey, at least by USA Hockey's registration numbers and all that. In the US is up 39% from like 65,000 to over 91,000. A lot, a lot of girls playing hockey. Yeah. And by comparison, you look at boys hockey and we're not here to compare and be like, oh, girls hockey, boys hockey. We're just looking. Is at boys them. hockey dead? Is, is <laughs> Are boys not playing hockey? Hot, it's over. Hot seat. Hot seat, boys hockey. Um, so, I mean, so girls hockey's grown by 39% across all age groups. You look at boys hockey in that same decade, 4.6%, which is, again, like kind of staggering, even though we're not really here to compare it. And when you boil it down to New England, Massachusetts has been like sort of the main driver. It's 21% in mass. And I think all of New England's right around 16%. I don't have it in front of me, but it was that ballpark. So again, some sig really significant growth around here too. And a lot of the crux of the story was talking to just some of the 
people who are really in deep with the game around the area. Ed Bourget from Mass Hockey. He's their girls player development director. He coaches at BBNN. Krista Talbot-Saifu, she's been at Williston since 04. Tom Reeser has been at Nobles for 23 years. There's Dan Nigerian. He's been at Duxbury for a while. He's all in on the MIA side. And we also had Sherry Bonowitz, who's the New England District's girls director. And so a lot of people who could provide a, real, a lot of insight into this. And I think one of the biggest things was when you look at, especially like high school and prep, where in the MIAA, girls hockey has seen a pretty big spike as far as the schools that are offering it increased from 125 to 211 in the last 10 years. So 69% increase. Boys hockey actually dipped 298 schools to 279. And that's getting into co-ops and all that stuff. It's kind of kind of some gray areas in there too, but still some significant growth. And really the crux of it though, where prep school is probably not as many teams as there were, like not, I shouldn't say that. There's, there's hasn't been the same growth of teams in the last 10 years, just because of the huge undertaking it takes to start a hockey program. You need 20, 25 players, you need the rank, you need the ice time, all that stuff. Whereas opposed to basketball, you can just get 10 kids together and use the gym for an hour. Yeah. Uh, and so, but, but when you look at the prep school and high school side, the biggest growth is really like when you look at how many schools now have JV teams, how many schools now have freshman teams as well. Um, you know, one of the things Tom Reeser talked about a lot was when he started in 2000, his team was made up of mainly multi-sport athletes and hockey was just another thing they did and they were just really athletic. So they're good at hockey too. And now you look at his team, everyone's on a club team everyone wants to play hockey in college and specialization has something to do with that. That's neither here nor there for now. Specialization is its own thing for another day. Yeah. That's um, another cover story. That's a complete, that is a completely different can of worms that uh, we could spend a lot of time on, but you know, just a lot of that and more and more kids playing, sticking with it, specializing in it, developing their skills in the off season. There are so many more girls playing hockey at these schools. I think BBNN has 77 girls from sixth grade to 12 mm-hmm. playing hockey. So it's it's pretty staggering. And, you know, the other thing is not just at the high school and the prep levels, but at the youth levels. I think one of the big things, and Krista Talbot-Siphon from Williston brought this up, is mm-hmm. when she was playing, it, she was like 12 on like a U19 team. Yep. And uh, there's a quote in here from Tom Reeser that's pretty interesting and talking about how his daughters who both played at Yale, Asabet was the only thing that – that was the big program and that was it. And he said, mm-hmm. we started going to Asabet, but they didn't really have much of a choice. I mean, I look at the makeup of my team now, and I think we represent at least six or seven different club programs. Some of the, these kids started probably at U10 with their club programs. Back in those days, you might have had U12, U15, and U19 because there weren't enough to sort of fill every increment, every two-year increment. We just didn't have the array of programs that there are now. Ed Bourget talked about with his Bay State Breakers. There, You could probably make two or three teams just full of girls uh, in, the might, in the might program. Like, yep. to me, I, I, like... That's staggering because I know like when my sister was coming up that even just less than 10 years ago, that wasn't the case. It was hard to find good in-town girls teams and they did just clump them together. And now so many are playing that uh, you have all these options. Players don't just have to go to Asabet. They can go to Asabet, but they can also go to the Eagles or they could go to the Breakers or a ton of different teams. And I think just those offerings have helped. And in terms of getting girls to play, we dove into this a little bit in the story. In terms of just getting girls to play hockey, not obviously once they're there, there are teams, but just getting them to put a pair of skates on. Yep. Um, what did you find 
were some of the answers you got from people in terms of in terms of that? Yeah, and just one more on youth teams. That's where we've seen the biggest growth is the six U level, seven to eight. It's the and those kids where you look at where those numbers were ten years ago and where the numbers for say the eighteen year olds now they've stuck mm-hmm. with it. So that's pre- that's pretty cool to kind of track that a little bit loosely. But yeah, as far as like getting kids to just play hockey, um, one of the things a lot of people talked about was USA Hockey's initiative, which try hockey for free. And even then, like kids that are already playing or kind of deciding whether or not to stick with it. Um, obviously, it's sort of the same thing we talked about with starting a hockey program. It's like you can't just plop a rink somewhere. It's just such a huge undertaking. But one of the things is the new American development model and small area games becoming such a huge focus. You can get even more kids on the ice at the same time. Like I'm sure when we had our Bantam practices at 10 at night, it was just our team for the full 50 minutes. But now you could probably probably like peewee squirts and maybe even Bantams. You could split it half ice, run two teams, small area stuff. And that's really what's helping kids not not only like get on the ice, but also learn the game better because that's because the small area stuff has been such a huge help. And it's more fun for kids because you're touching the puck more. There's yeah. more contact and if you have a three-on-three drill along the boards, you're touching the puck every couple seconds. Whereas if you do even a uh, in-zone five-on-five or something like that, or you do a full ice five-on-five, you're not touching the puck as much as, as, yep. as that. And you even see, I think I'm correct on this, a lot of mites now and things like that is like half ice and yeah. they, you know, they yep. play smaller games. So the kids are getting more puck touches and yes, it develops them more, which is great. But even to just keep them going, I mean, you see now with, with kids, attention spans are shorter. Our attention spans are shorter. <laughs> like you need to be kind of being stimulated at all times. And I think hockey, small area games do that for yeah, hockey. So you look at little kids too, and they're maybe again back when we were younger, they're going full ice, and you're just a little kid. The ice is huge, and <laughs> yeah. you're getting so tired out there, you're not enjoying it. So it's definitely just such a better way of breaking it up. It is, it is, and I think they, I, it's, it's, it's crazy the numbers. And, and as I'm going through the story now, I mean, first of all, you did such a great job on this. I think that's the the first and foremost thing. But I mean, just the growth, and and the other thing is. We're, this isn't to be like, girls hockey's here. It's arrived. No, it's growing fast and it's not stopping. Like, I think yeah. that's one of the things is like, it's almost like, it's like the late 90s and we're like, yeah, the internet, it's it's growing. It's like, no, the internet's growing and it's going to yeah. astronomically grow even more. Like, girls hockey, and a lot of people listening know this better than us, is going to continue to grow and grow fast. And I think yeah. that's kind of one of the big themes of this story. And there are probably a lot of people listening to, they're like, yeah, where have you guys been? Um, exactly. And you'd be right to say that. <laughs> yeah. But even then, you know, even when you look at sort of when we talk about development too, with the numbers, mass hockey has its festival every spring and you know, CCM high performance from 2014, they had six gator groups last year. They had 18 mm-hmm. triple. In the New England district tryouts, Sherry Bonowitz said they had 240 in 2022. They had 280 girls tryout last year. They're expecting more this year. So I'd imagine they'd probably top 300 girls trying out. And a big part of that, Ed Bourget talked about it, Sherry talked about it, was just the overall improvement in coaching, where even if it's coaches who have been around for a while, or especially newer coaches who have played D1 hockey, have played professional hockey, have played on Olympic teams or national teams too. You got Katie Burt, Tony Anniano, McKenna Newkirk, Sarah DaCosta, who has her program in Rhode Island with Vicky Lamorello. Like 
just real, like Sherry said, real people that girls can look at and see, wow, they, like they did it too. And they're like kind of paying it forward. They are. And I, and I think that's been one of the other big developments that you touched on in the story is just, as you said, the coming back, seeing someone that made it being like, oh my yeah. God, I can do that too. And getting their advice, right? Like these are most likely those, those women did not have a ton of people in their hockey careers kind of who had been through that before. And again, that's because they were sort of first one through the wall kind of type thing. Whereas now you're getting a lot of like, like girls like the Averill sisters, right? Have mm-hmm. women, they can look women, female coaches, they can look up to and go, Oh my God, I, they did it this way. I can kind of follow that path. So I think that's been another development. And it's yeah. just becoming, it's becoming not more mains. I don't know if mainstreams the white, the right word, but I think it's just, it's, it's evening out. With boys, in a sense. I mean, it's getting it's getting there. And I think this story did a really good job of illustrating that and, and, and how much it's growing. Do you have any leftover thoughts from this? Like, were there any things that really surprised you in this story? I don't think anything that really surprised me. Maybe just some of the, the numbers at high school, like boys decreasing a little bit, and like at least in mass, and then especially just the spike that girls had. But I would also just say, like, further on where this is going, like, you look at the U18 World Championship team for Team USA that just won gold. 11 skaters were from New England on the initial roster. Speaking of the Averills, you've yes. got the Women's World Championships coming to Utica just a couple hours away that kids from this area can go see high-level athletes play and probably play in the gold medal game against Canada, which is it doesn't get any better than that in women's hockey. And just, like, just the the... I guess, immediate kind of splash that the PWHL's made around here too. Just where it's going is is going to be pretty cool to watch. It is. And I and I think that's the fun part is that it is even like the women's bean pot going to the garden. Like that should have yep. been done a long time ago, but it's here now. And I think that's a real, it's obviously a really good thing. And so I think it just illustrates. And then the other thing is youth girls, youth hockey players in the area can go to TD Garden uh, on Tuesday night where you know, they've already went and see women playing on the biggest stage. Like, I think that says a lot. I think it's also good for young boys to see too of like, Oh, that's just how it is. And that's how it should be. So I think this is a, a fascinating story. It's funny when, when we finish up recording this podcast, we have to go look at it in the back end and put it online. I think that's our biggest thing, Uh, but it'll be out by the time, by the time this podcast is out. So uh, phenomenal job on that, Pat, by the way. Yeah. Thank you. One more on the, on the bean pot too, is like these, girls and other players come in to see it on the garden ice it's like i know you weren't really much of a bean pot goer when you were growing up but like when i would go or my friends would go and like you hear kids at bubc northeastern harvard being like yeah i want to play at a bean pot school like i grew up seeing kids play on the on the garden ice wanted to like thought it was so cool be like them and all that like that's something that young girls can now see too which is amazing a hundred percent. And I, like on the boys recruiting side, I hear it all the time from, from kids and from coaches. It's like kids who grew up in the area want to play in the bean pot. They, yeah. I, and I think it's just because you go as a younger kid and it's a big freaking deal to play at the TD garden. Like it, it's the biggest deal. And I think uh, that's a huge thing for the boys. And now I think it's going to be a huge thing for the girls in this area wanting to go to BU and BC and Harvard Northeastern to play in the bean pot. 
UMass has to get a, a women's program like tomorrow. That needs to happen. Not they don't need to be in the bean pot. They don't need to be in the bean pot, but they need to get a women's program. Anyways, let's so that's that. We'll get into girls prep in a little bit. Uh, we'll do a quick little boys prep here. So I put Brunswick back in as my number one team. First time all year. They've been number one. So first of all, props to them. Kimball Union lost to Stansted College. So they moved down to two. Brunswick is about to go into a tournament up at St. Andrews. So that's going to be very difficult against teams like Culver and obviously St. Andrews College. So we'll see if they stay at number one. But I mean, again, I think Brunswick has all year proven that they are a top team and now they're number one. And the Gibbons-Giles connection on the top line has been huge. Will Baker's been solid in net. So to me, Brunswick, kind of the beat goes on with them, and they play a very tough schedule. They play a really tough schedule. They play a lot of games. It's intensive. So kudos to them for being number one. And then one other team that, or a team that went up a lot in my rankings is Salisbury. Andrew Will has made a habit of his teams just getting right at in the second half after the holiday tournaments, getting better, all that stuff. And that's what Salisbury's done. They beat Kent five to one the other day, which is huge. Uh, so they moved up to number seven for me. So they are, I think USHR has them in the elite eight still. I, think, I don't think they've had them fall out of the elite eight. Salisbury's going to be there. I think in the elite eight at the end of the year, they always find a way. I know they didn't last year, but I think they're going to find a way this year in net with Cooper Fleming and Steven Luciano. They've kind of shared the net and it's worked. Fleming had the big win against Kent. Well, Luciano beat Trinity Pauling. So they, I think they're going to be there. Even look at like Seamus Lada and Connor Davis have been really solid. Nicholas Petrut, another senior. So like they're going to be there. So they move up to seven for me. And then two teams I want to highlight before we move on to other stuff. St. George's and Phillips Andover. St. George's was one of my preseason teams. I had in my top 10. A lot of people were like, what? Why are they in your top? St. George's. And I said, Hear me out. They got a good roster. They got a deep roster. They got additions. They have a new coach. I said, there, that's going to be a team that is going to be there. And they move up. I think they're either six or seven for me this week. And last I checked, they were first in the large school tournament or in the small school tournament. I think St. George's to me is my sleeper elite eight team that if they got in, I think could do some serious damage. They are big up front. Colin Walsh, Ben Buckley, Ryan Staples is a really skilled center. Max Donatelli is a good young 07 sophomore wing. On defense, they're super mobile. They're not big on defense. Uh, Nathan Walsh and Marco Snurchy are not the biggest guys, but boy, can they move the puck. Everett Baldwin, Providence commit, he's a beast. And then in net, you have Ryder Shea, who's committed to Maine. Who's Yes, Ryder Shea is from my hometown, so yes, I... He's Framingham guy, gotta have the Framingham guy in there, but he's been sensational this year, and I think... St. George's, to me, if they got in the Elite Eight, could be a team that upsets a top seed because of how deep they are and how hard and physical they play. Because I saw them at St. Mark's on on Saturday. So St. George's is one. And then another one is Phillips Andover. They got in my top 10 last week. They fell out of it this week just because they lost to Nobles, one nothing, But they did beat St. Seb's 7-6 in overtime. Wish I was at that game. That sounds like a hell of a game to be at. But they're a team that's also in the mix. They're good. They got the the, Scro- the Scronics are terrific. Graydon Ro- Robertson Palmer up front. So they're going to be there as well. But St. George's is an interesting one because before the season, when we were looking at cover teams, I was like, would St. George's make sense? Like they got a lot of new players, new coach. Like it's a new era there. Like, but then it was Sebs. Sebs deserved it. They have great roster. But St. George's has been, has been one of my predictions that, that has come true. So I'll give myself that. 
Yeah. You can save St. George's for the next team you jinx. So. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I saved them. I didn't want, uh, I didn't want yeah. them to have to go through my jinx. Um, but so yeah, they've been, they've been good. Yeah. Um, and then who, who was the, wait, there was, there was one of the, oh, uh, speaking of things I wish I did at the beginning of the year before we move on to girls prep. So there was a river story in the magazine that I did on the four eighth graders who have been tearing it up. And Carter Meyer was someone and Finn Sears as well. And Sam Pandolfo, all four of them I saw in the fall with the junior Eagles 14 team. And I knew they were all going to rivers, but Carter, Carter Meyer to me is, has been outstanding. And he, he leads rivers in points at the time of recording. He leads rivers in goals. He's an eighth grader. Finn Sears, by the way, is second behind him in points. So Finn Sears is not far off. But when I was doing my all ISL Eberhardt first, second team, I had Carter Meyer on that second team. And at the last second, I said, he's an eighth grader. I haven't seen an eighth grader do like damage in a while in prep. It hasn't happened in a long time. Like, there's probably an upperclassman who is good. I should put on the list ahead of Carter. So I took him off. I took Carter Meyer off the list. Dumb move because that would have looked really smart right now. But at the time, I was like, nah, I'm going to play it safe. I'm going to, instead of going for the first down here, I'm going to not punt, but I'm going to, you know, I'm going to run. I'm going to run the clock a little bit. And instead, I, I missed the chance of looking like a genius. So I promise, I promise Carter Meyer was on that second team. I had it, but I didn't have the courage to follow through on it. So yeah, Stupid. exactly. That was a safe pick. Uh, it was safe pick, exactly. Yeah, no, we all we all we had some younger players who were like, ah, and then what? And then I forget who it was, but we were like, oh man, how's this junior upperclassman at X school not on here? And we switched him out. So same same deal across the board. Just exactly, it's hard to pick. People safe. are people are always like, oh, like how'd you pick that person? And it's like because it's hard. There's so many people that you yeah. kids, especially in high school age, they all like some kids get a lot bigger in a summer they get better some kids we see a lot during the fall some we don't so yeah some kids get get missed but carter meyer i had him there i had him there but next he'll be on it next year <laughs> that's for sure i mean i think him i think all four of those kids will probably be on one of those like the second or first team eberhart next year because they've been so good but rivers by the way nine six and one at the time of recording basically the eighth graders have been the big heart of there's also a lot of other kids on the team have been doing a great job justin graff and will hatton caden maselli who are older and but those eighth graders make everybody look so much older like i'm like oh freddie meyer he's so freddie meyer's a freshman <laughs> like, it, like it's it just it's funny how it resets the mentality on the team but that's our boys prep minute girls prep what is what's been sticking out to you so girls prep the rankings were really tough this week and i'll be the first to admit i think i handcuffed myself a little bit by deerfield for a little while i was reluctant like oh they beat a real team and now they have and they're getting their due they're in the top three choate was sort of in that same boat for a while where i I was reluctant sort of for no reason and so but now they're they're at six but i handcuffed myself a little bit because i took westminster out last week they should have stayed in and so we had we had a quite a big shakeup because Tabor and Kent, who have been sort of in the top five all season, Tabor's fallen out. Kent's at ten. Kent's on the ropes, and but it's 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 for good reason because Kent has had really tough stretch lately. They've lost three straight after starting undefeated. They've winless in five of six, one three and two. The, to them, them and Tabor are sort of in the same boat where the offense has sort of really dried up. They're losing a lot of two one, one nothing, two nothing games. And they, you, if you go look at their box scores, I mean, it's not it's not something I like to harp, harp on too much. But if you look at their their scores, they haven't 
Like Kent's, I think, averaged two goals a game in their last 10. Tabor's sort of in the same boat. Like it's just not going to get it done, especially with how deep the girls' side is this year. So they're, those both teams are kind of on the ropes. Thayer and New Hampton are still on the hunt. Thayer actually had a huge win over Tabor last week, 6-3. to three. And so, but then you get into the rest of it. Groton moves up. Sort of an easier week. They smoked Proctor, 8 nothing, 3-1 win at Rivers. Tina Scalise had four goals against Proctor. I she, saw that. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, she and Maddie Crumpton had a hat trick. Scalise last week was over two points a game. This year she's just, or this week she's just under. So got to pick it back up. <laughs> you just got to move along. Come on. You got to get two points a game. Yeah, Westminster's back in. They're up to seven. A couple really resilient week for them. They were on the ropes in overtime against Millbrook, one four to three. They beat Portsmouth Abbey in overtime, one to one nothing, and then they just took care of business against Hotchkiss, three to one. So you know, a lot of good to see that resiliency, especially heading into a pretty big rematch with Williston this week, who they tied at the Harrington tournament. You got Choate, lost to Deerfield, bounced right back against Canterbury, seven to two. Their their top headliners, Nora Morris and Caroline Holm, have been leading the way the whole way. They had another big week. And then Phillips Andover's back in the top five. This is more of a a potential type of pick because they were. I think this is a safe bet, though. I I was reading this. I didn't think. I don't think this is crazy because now they got all the kids back. And they they were they were really kind of struggling for a little bit. They lost three of five, but they didn't have Molly Boyle. They didn't have the Averills, and now all three of them come back. They win five to nothing and seven to nothing. I mean, just it kind of feels like all is right again with Andover. So I think, especially their their upcoming schedule, which I noted in the rankings, they have this week there's BBN and Deerfield plus Cushing, and then you they're just included in the schedule the rest of the way: Tabor, New Hampton, Wilson, Nobles, Loomis. It's it's kind of giving Deerfield a run for its money with like maybe the hardest schedule the rest of the season. So I mean, it could not be at a better time that they get those three players back. You get into top four: Wilson and Nobles. They're I mean, we, we've gone at length about how good those two teams have been this year. But then you have Deerfield and Loomis flipped. So Deerfield's at three and Loomis is at four now. It's not nothing against Loomis. Deerfield's just been that good. Annie Dinges, I hope I'm saying that right, has just been fantastic. She had five points last week. Four of them were goals. So she's, I believe, second in the NEPSAC in points and leading the way in goals with 18 and 16 games. So, yeah. And Loomis has... What's impressed me most about Loomis, I'll wrap up with this, is it's been a lot by committee this season. They've had Grace Morin, who's leading the way, but she had a quiet week last week. Chloe Obser, both of those players, everyone's kind of missed some time too. Nobody's played in every game except for some of the secondary scorers, like Annie Schwartz, who's a sophomore, someone we were kind of expecting to take a step this year kind of around the same level as last year but maybe she had the overtime winner against Tabor last week maybe that can sort of jump starter here but yeah like Loomis has been weird like a lot of their top producers have sort of been out at various times and they've still been getting it done so it's that's been most impressive for me yeah I think you're right on Loomis and I think you're right on Andover those two teams kind of Loomis winning in weird ways but then Andover getting back some obviously high-end talent I think it's going to help. I think there's going to be a lot more shakeups in your top 10 over these next bunch of weeks because Andover, if, if Molly Boyle and the Averill sisters didn't have to go play in the tournament, they would probably be a firm top three team. And now yeah. they're working their way back in, which is going to really shake things up. Or who knows? Deerfield might stay up there. So we'll see what ends up happening with, with girls prep. We'll have a lot more on that as the weeks roll on. Moving along to boys MIAA. So the big thing in the boys MIAA is the Ed Burns Coffee Pot tournament begins... This week, 
So it starts this Sunday. The the top eight seeds, which have not come out at the time of recording, will play in Arlington, and the bottom eight will play at Canton Ice House, which is actually a good place to have that. Last year, the bottom eight played at Natick, which was kind of random because it's just one sheet. And it's just, I was there. I'm glad it's at Canton this year for, for those nine through 16 seeds, but it's all public schools, which I love. It's a public school, it's a public school invite only. And while the seeds are not out yet, there was an early kind of look at what the seeds might be a couple days ago. And the favorites look like Hingham, Canton, which is D2, Tewksbury, which is D2. Arlington, Reading, Marshfield, I think Braintree is like seven-ish seed. And then the eight seed is kind of still up for grabs. But to me, the favorites, and it's only for boys, by the way. I don't think they have a girls coffee pot tournament. But Hingham, Arlington, Reading, Marshfield, Canton, Tewksbury. To me, those are the favorites. Canton's been outstanding in Division Two. So is Tewksbury. Tewksbury's kind of always a powerhouse down there. But Canton is as well. So those are two really good ones. But to me, what I'm fascinated about as someone who does the Div- Div- Division One boys' rankings every week, is Hingham, Arlington, Reading, Marshfield. Who is the better, who's the best of those four? So far, I don't think there's a clear answer. Arlington's been ahead of the crew. Reading has kind of surged of late. Marshfield's always there. And Hingham is usually the favorite. And they've had some struggles at times. So I'm fascinated to see how those four teams kind of do this week. So it's a three, I believe it's a three-weekend event. So it goes, it goes a long way. It goes a long time. First round semifinal and then the the championship. So I, I I know you'll be there. I think we're splitting games at the at the at, in Arlington for the top eight seeds. So that'll be exciting. I know that the environment is going to be great. But again, I I don't. There's out of the four Division One teams there, I don't have one that I'm like that's the one. That's the team. I have not seen Arlington yet this year. Uh, so yeah. I am I am very excited to see them because I know they're a very young team. But they're so structured and they're well coached and they're always there. The winning just kind of happens. So I am I'm interested to see how they do against the rest of that against the rest of that group. Yeah, I mean, even when we last time we talked in Arlington, I think was fourth in your rankings. Um, yeah, they, they've they, gone they, down they, a little bit, but they're yeah, still they're in amongst high. the area. But just sort of you know the way things have changed pretty quickly. Reading, Leapfrog, Darlington, Marshfield, and Hingham are obviously still hanging around. It's going to be really interesting to see, especially we were we were giving Arlington a lot of flowers and they deserved it. And time to prove us right. Help us look a little smart here. Exactly. I, I wouldn't mind that. So that's boys on my AA. That's the, that's the big one this week. Girls on my AA. Uh, you were at the Burlington game this past weekend and Burlington, my God, <laughs> they are on a freaking roll. Yeah, Burlington, uh, I haven't done my rankings yet this week. Those will be out later this week at at the time of recording. They're maybe the hottest team in girls MIA, and they're going to be making a pretty significant jump in in the rankings this week. They've, what is it? They've won five in a row. They're eight, they're nine, one and oh, at least as of Saturday. And you look at it, I think three straight have been shutouts. Issa Fisher has been nasty just lately. And especially they, they were coming off upset. It's tough to call it an upset just because of the top 10 in the MIA is just so good. But, you know, they beat MC who handed them their only loss this season last month. And then they, they go right in, they go on the road to Hingham snowy Saturday afternoon. 
at the Pilgrim Arena, which is a, a Texas you total dive bar. It was awesome. <laughs> it um, is. It's a good rank. <laughs> girls are coming playing. Up. That, by the way, playing there was never fun because they're yeah. on top of you. It's it, the locker rooms are tiny, but it's like it's a good old barn. And Hing- Hingham's coming up and down the stairs to go out to the ice. It was <laughs> it was honestly really something to see because I, I had never been there or played there before. But Burlington Hingham had a ton of zone time, especially in the first. And Burlington just happy to just lean on Issa Fisher, keep Hingham to the outside, just throw throw everything at the net. And if Issa Fisher can see it, she's going to save it. And Sophia Cleary, who's in seventh grade, scored the lone goal for Burlington. Burlington, um, I was surprised to see how young they are because um, I didn't really like a little tough to find rosters sometimes and finally tracked one down in just seventh graders, eighth graders. It's uh, like crazy. Sophia, so Sophia Cleary is a 2011 birthday. I, you, just, I, I, t- I was editing your story and I texted you. I was like, what year was she born in? And you're like, 20, I'm like 2011. Yeah. Like jaw dropped when I saw that. I, was, I refused to believe that that's a real year. But someone I was I was really impressed with is another seventh grader. She's a 2010 is Chloe Rabazzi. I think I hope I'm saying that right. You would never know she's in seventh grade, whether it's her size, poise, the way she's on defense and really offensively minded blue liner and not afraid to make plays or be aggressive which is super impressive for a younger player playing on the varsity on the first as i said it was all hingham but there was i, I want to say it was two minutes and it really like it sounds like it's exaggerating but her, burlington had it, it had to have been like a two minutes of a lapse time shift in hingham mm-hmm. zone and it all started because chloe rabazzi jumped in front of a forward on hingham's breakout picked off a pass and then just bought a bunch of time below the dots as kind of Burlington got set up. And then they just went to town forechecking, getting some chances on Hingham. It didn't lead to anything, but it was kind of like, all right, Burlington might not just completely roll over here, which they didn't. And later in the game, just when Hingham was trying to make a big push, face-off scramble, calmly picks the puck up, skates it out with possession. I was really impressed with just her confidence with the puck and just making her ability to make reads at the right times and to jump into the play. Yeah, I, I was reading that Burlington has been so hot to see them beat uh, Hingham like that was was impressive. And I think you should better hope they do they play Wednesday night because your rankings come out I think Thursday. I so. believe so. You gotta hope they win on Wednesday so we can keep that the word that they're gonna continue to rise in the rankings. But yeah, yeah, I'm fat. I mean, it's funny. I think we've said this before. The cool thing about the MIAA, especially girls, is you'll see just some crazy stats and you'll see seventh and eighth graders out there making a difference, like, yeah. and, and being standout good players. And the fact that Burlington has a couple is crazy and that they're as good as they are. Um, so Burlington's going to be a powerhouse <laughs> in, yeah. in future years, which will be good to see. We kind of covered everything. We did the, we did the cover story, the special report. Boys prep, girls prep, boys MIA, girls MIA. Pat, that means there's only one thing left. And that means we got to go do overtime with our good yes, friend, sir. our producer, David Yaz. Thank you, Evan. Yes, it is time for overtime where we regale our listeners and our panelists here with three questions that they are unprepared for. Let's do it. Overtime. All right. First question for overtime. Uh, Evan, I think I feel like picking on you, so you're first. Let's do it. Uh, have you ever thrown your hat on the ice to commemorate a player scoring a hat trick? If so, no. what hat What hat? and do you miss it? 
No, I haven't. I is I. It's a boring answer, and I kind of just gave it away <laughs> before you finished the question. But I, I, I just I never have. Have um, you ever brought a hat to a hockey rink with the thought that it could be thrown on the ice if necessary? I have thought about it. When I was little, my dad would when we go to Bruins games, my dad would always have a hat on, and so I'd be like, "You're throwing that. I don't care where <laughs> where you're throwing that." And because you're a kid, you don't know. And then as I've gotten older, it's like, oh, I, I like that hat and I'm sitting far <laughs> yeah, away from this. 40 bucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I'm sitting far away from the, like if I go to a Bruins game and there's a hat trick, which happened this year, I would rather they do. I think it's either, I think it's 15% off hats in the pro shop. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather hold on to the hat and buy a new one for a mm. discounted price, which <laughs> I guess they're, they're playing, I'm playing right into their hand, but right. I never have. And I haven't either at like a high school game or anything as a joke. But maybe I need to start doing it. Maybe I need to start doing it. How about you, Pat? I have not. I've been tempted. When high school went to a couple of games and I had this kind of crappy CCM hat and I should have thrown it for one hat trick I saw, but I, I didn't. Now, the the one Bruins game I went to this year as a fan was Charlie Coyle's hat trick against the Islanders. And you're you're up there with your friends. Everyone's feeling good. You're like, I'm gonna throw it. I'm gonna do it. But then you're you're in the nosebleeds, and it's not gonna go anywhere. It's not gonna reach it. So then you just lose your your nice hat for nothing. So I haven't done it, but I it would be pretty fun, especially if you are close enough to reach. Good answer. Good answer. Question number two, and Pat, you get to go first on this one. If you won a contest and got to sink, sit rinkside at Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Finals. And you are afforded one more privilege you get to pick from one of these three. Drop the ceremonial first puck. Bring out the Stanley Cup as one of those guys wearing the weight the white gloves at the end. Wow. Or drive the Zamboni. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, bring out the cup. Bring out the cup? Okay. Yeah, that, Why? Just the pageantry of it all. Every year when you're little or even now you're watching on tv you see those guys coming out it's like the coolest thing ever with the white gloves and you're just getting ready for whoever the captain is to come over and just go bananas with it that that'd be really cool i love how the guys bring it out wearing white gloves ever so delicately and then two weeks later you see pictures pictures in some trashy bar with players sucking beer out of it yeah Uh, evan uh same question first puck stanley cup or drive the zamboni Stanley Cup, that's an easy one. I think it, it, as Pat said, it's a legendary thing. You get to walk it out. My only worry would be like, if I was doing it as like a, I wanna, I want it, like it's like a, a once and I get a do once, like it's not my full time job. I'd be a little worried that I'd like trip and fall as I walked out with it. <laughs> like like that would be, a, or drop it. Like that would be a legitimate worry. It's like, oh my God, there's millions of people watching. I can't mess this up. I would be a little worried about that. Driving the Zamboni would be funny just because, like, but that's any game. And then ceremonial first puck would be cool. But, yeah, the cu- taking the cup out would be sick. Yes. Well, as it is written in the book of hockey, if, if you ever drop the Stanley puck, you have to go to the penalty box for life <laughs> or something. All right. Instead of a traditional third question, I have some trivia. I guess you'd call it trivia for the third question. What I'm going to do is give you some terms that are hockey terms which have been adapted for real life. And I'll give you an example. If I say someone has, let's see, someone sits down at a blackjack table and wins the first three hands in a row. They've done three good things in a row. You might say that they've recorded a... Patrick. 
hat trick is is correct. Correct. Let's get the our ding sounds right. So these these will follow, uh, and uh, I'll go. Uh, you guys will take turns on this. So Evan, you get first. What what hockey term am I describing here? When life is so easy through no actions of your own. For example, Jim only got that job because his dad is a big deal at the firm. His whole life is a blank. This one's kind of hard. Uh, well, the first term that came to mind is a cakewalk, but that's not a hockey term. Mm, no. But so I, mm, I, I, I wasn't like, I said the first thing that came to me. All right, I, fine. I don't, I don't, I don't have a hockey term for that. Pat, do you have it? I don't. No. Okay, we were looking for much. empty net goal. His whole life is an oh. empty net goal. That's that works. Hard, that's a hard one. That's a hard one. All right, a, Pat, this one goes to you. A single man or woman is invited by a friend to a bar or a party with an unacceptable male to female ratio. Oh, Sandy, I can't believe you brought me to this party. <laughs> I'm I'm calling a blank on you. Hockey term. Bar uh, party. Too many with men the, penalty. We'll get yes, exactly. Too many men on the ice. That's what we were looking for. Good. That's a good one. <laughs> All right. Evan, I don't know if you get this one, but it's my absolute favorite. A a loving married couple decides it is time to have a baby. So, of course, they begin to refrain from using birth control. You might th- say they are doing what? Uh, they, I'm, <laughs> they, Pat, Pat, Pat's got it. They're, they're not taping their stick. No. <laughs> <laughs> Great guess, but no. That should count. That, Pat, that's got to be it. We'll give you half credit. Pat, do you have it? They're pulling the goalie. They're pulling the goalie. <laughs> that's what we were looking for. But Evan gets points for creativity. I was going to say, that was pretty good. All right, right. Pat, simple one. To ignore or exclude someone, you might say you're doing what to them? Hockey term. Icing them. Icing them. That's right. Very good. That's a good one. Yeah. Pat's on fire. All right. Evan, I think you'll get this one pretty easily. Don't overthink it. Having an intense conversation with someone on Facebook. That might be called a... Brawl, fight, one of the two. (laughs) Oh my god! Terrible at this. <laughs> this on, is hard. It's on Facebook. Pat, you got it. I don't get in Facebook face fights. Ah, oh. Pat's right. Face Damn off. Damn it! It was that last. <laughs> it was that last emphasis on Facebook you, you had. <laughs> and you said don't overthink it. I still overthought. You overthought it. I still. Right, final it. one for you, Pat. To draw this one's kind of hard. To draw unwanted attention to yourself or another person. Usually when committing a criminal act or trying to get away with something shady. For example, if you drive past the police station again, you're just going to be blanking yourself. Hockey term. Or at least it refers to a something in hockey that is meaningful. Shafting yourself? With the shaft of a no. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just like, I'm, That's I, not I a really overthought that one. Evan, you got a uh, guess? I mean, if, if you, you go do, past the... Yeah, you might be drawing attention to yourself, which would which would place all focus on you, like you are such a spectacle because no one, everyone's looking at you. Because yeah, that's a hard one. We're yeah, it's for... like you're on a breakaway. No, uh. we're... <laughs> we were looking for red lighting. If you're you're red lighting yourself, uh. so that's a hard one. That was a hard one. So you know what? In a manner of speaking, you're. You're both winners. But to, yeah. be more, to be more accurate, Pat was the winner. But nevertheless, you both did remarkably well. In overtime, thanks for playing. Back to you, Evan.
Yeah, that was good. I we I think I got the my answer of tape in the stick. I think was the most creative. <laughs> I think I get points for that. But yes, Pat. Yes, I'm going to spend the rest. Of, I'm going to spend the rest of the day deciding whether I need to remove that from the podcast. But maybe we'll <laughs> leave it in. Right. I mean, it's a, it's a hockey podcast, so yeah, you know, they're you, adults. You, yeah, you sure. can hear it. Sure. Anyways, uh, yeah, that's been rank wise. We got a lot coming up. Obviously, rankings all the time. Top prep performers, game coverage, stories. Uh, I have one coming down the line. I don't want to give it away. But I have one coming that I think a lot of people are going to enjoy. It's an inspirational story. That's all I'm going to say. You'll know it when you see it. Pat, do you have anything that you're uh, working on that you're particularly like, oh, people should go well, read this? Definitely go read the girls girls hockey story. That's Please do. After we record this. We've got new girls prep rankings that we talked about. Girls MIA coming this week. As far as games, I got St. Mary's and Malden Catholic on Wednesday. I'm really excited for that one. And trying to figure out the the weekend schedule. If I If I can, I want to get to... Andover against Deerfield because it's really the only time I'll get to see Deerfield in this deck of the woods unless, <laughs> unless I want to drive an hour and a half away. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> so I'm going to try and move mountains to make that happen to to get there for Saturday. But other than that, just getting more magazine content out there on the site. Yeah, for sure. I think Wednesday, which is tomorrow as we're recording this, it's I'm either going to go to Loomis Avon, which is quite a drive. On a Wednesday, it's tough. So I'm, I don't yeah. know if I'm going to do that. But the the thought was there. The thought it's like a Carter Meyer thing. The thought was there. But Sebs plays Nobles, which is always a big matchup. That's an easy one to be like, you know what? I'm probably gonna go to that. And then this weekend, I'm not sure yet. We know we have the Ed Burns Coffee Pot Tournament on Sunday, so we'll have that. So lots more coming down the line. As always, there's always content flowing. I had a parent come up to me at a rink recently and say there was. I swear to God, so there was too much. So there was, too couldn't much. keep up with it. So there's too much. Couldn't keep up with it. And he said it and he meant it in a nice way. So I, I appreciated that. But anyways, that's Pat Donnelly. I'm Evan Marinovsky. Rinkwise is a Siemens Media production produced by the great David. Yeah, as you Rinkwise listeners, have a great rest of your week. 